0: I always love trying to come up with analogies to help me understand things better. Yes, we know. (laughs) If you think about it, is this idea that there is a natural tendency, say you have two different friends and you become very close with both of those friends, there is a tendency to want to bring those two friends together so that you can all hang out together, so that you can maximize your time, that you get to see them both. Like that's a pretty natural thing and a fairly common thing a lot of times that's how we meet other friends is because of mutual friends right so like there is something very I don't know I guess natural and fundamental and and essential and universal to that sort of behavior but when it comes to friends we tend to not force quite as many expectations on that as we do on to like we need to date the same person On this episode of the Multi Amory podcast, we're talking about triads and throuples and quads. Oh my. Triads and couples and throuples and it's really hard to say that actually. Triads that's, and throuples no, and quads. A weird... Oh
2: my. A very weird version of Wizard of Oz
1: if we just extrapolate that whole storyline out. Well, there then they would be in a quad, right? Beforehand, it would have been a triad between the three the three gentlemen, and then <laughs> and now they're a quad with <laughs> Dorothy. Dorothy I, yeah, Dorothy adds a quad. Okay. I, mean, I
2: do like this this quest that she's on, just slowly adding people to her polycule. <laughs> <laughs> that
1: is pretty fun. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Great. So three
0: person relationships or triads can be a hotly. Debated topic. The media loves to talk about them. They're also negatively associated with things like unicorn hunting, and many people have had bad experiences with them, but also a lot of people love them and want them. So all that said, they can be awesome, exciting, fulfilling relationships, as well as having some unique challenges. So in this episode, we're going to talk about some of the most common areas of conflict in relationships in general, and how they apply specifically to three or more person relationships, as well as some extra kind of logistical challenges that can come up for triads that might not be present in just two-person dyads. So even if you aren't in a triad and don't intend to be, you may still find some of the communication tips to be relevant to other group situations. So let's get to it.
2: So you see, you wrote out relevant in other group situations, such as at work or with friends or, you know, on the Yellow Bick Road or when a house is falling on your rival, it's helpful to know how to handle these tricky communication dynamics. Absolutely. I'm sorry, now you've really planted a seed with this weird polyamorous version of the Wizard of Oz. I don't, <laughs> it's kind of both exciting and scary at the same time.
1: Right. <laughs> it changes like the moment when she sees color for the first time. It kind of, yeah. Oh, wow. So that's
0: her like non-monogamy awakening. awakening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: there you go. There you go. She's
2: like, it doesn't have to be this way. I understand the relationship escalator. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I love that. I love that. That's great. <laughs> it's beautiful. Oh, goodness. Okay, so looking at the way that mainstream media covers topics like non-monogamy and polyamory, the impression you would get is that a triad equals the same exact thing as polyamory. Polyamory always equals triads, always. That's always what it is. It's, you know, sometimes it'll be like, yes, polyamory equals a quad, or polyamory equals some kind of even larger polygon.
1: Um, <laughs> polyamorous it, polygon
2: yeah definitely in mainstream media coverage there's just not a lot of coverage of you know interconnecting dyads which as it turns out are actually you know the most common way that people do practice multi-partner relationships um, so uh, we went back and looked at a study that ryan witherspoon did dr ryan witherspoon who's been on the show before and uh, the study we're not sure if it's been published yet, and this was not the main focus of the study, um, so, but we did just find this really interesting kind of little snippet of information in his study, which is that um, in surveying 864 polyamorous people, they, he found that only 12.6% of the participants identified as being in a triad and only 4.3% in a quad. And again, these are not necessarily uh, you know, 100% scientifically validated numbers that represent the entire community but I think definitely of the people that I know, in my experience being in the non-monogamous community, it feels pretty representative of the people who are actually in a functioning ongoing triad or quad is a minority within the community. It has been definitely my impression. What would the two mm. of you say?
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Like, if, if you look, I would say it'd be interesting to find out how many people have ever been in a triad or a quad, I would bet that that would be significantly higher.
2: Probably higher. Definitely.
0: At least in my experience, having been in a few different triads and I guess one quad, that it's like they, they tend to kind of come and go. Not like they explode horribly, but just sort of as people's relationships change or people's life situations change, you may sort of end up in a triad situation and then not as opposed to the media depiction, which is this like we're three, three people who live together and have a kid together.
1: It's kind of we're what a three pole uh, <laughs> Yeah. I thought he was saying a three too. <laughs> <laughs> or that, that polyamory means that like you all have to sleep together and you all have to like vet each other and say, yes. Okay. You're allowed in into the fold yeah Yeah. Yeah,
2: it's like you form this little cabal that that yeah Yeah. um yeah no so uh, i want to pose a challenge to any research students out there listening that it would be interesting to see if somebody wanted to do um a survey of american let's say american mainstream media coverage of you know profiles of polyamorous people and I'm willing to bet you would probably find that, like, quads and especially triads are way overrepresented compared to the percentage that they actually take up in the community in reality.
0: Yeah, I don't even think you need a study to know that that's true, but it'd be interesting to know the numbers of, like, by by what margin, like, how how overrepresented.
1: Yeah, but, but Professor Marsden, that was, like, a big <laughs> one. And I, mm-hmm. I just remembered that, rego- yeah, besides the, like, what is that one show that we always dunked on? That oh, we specifically remarried and dating? No, mm-hmm. the the <laughs> oh, episodic show. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I was just
2: talking about not even in fictional stuff, but in like news coverage. I you see. Know, yeah, when, yeah, when they like, do an exposé about this, whatever, yeah. This triad to talk to them about what it's like and and do a survey of a day in the life of what they're like. You know, that yeah, the, yeah right. that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, and so so part of the reason though why we wanted to do this episode is that like I, I, we still believe that kind of the the fundamental building block of human relationships are one-on-one relationships, uh, that even when you're in a triad, like still a lot of, for most of us, like our deeper, more intimate, more nuanced conversations are between two people, or like resentment's usually directed at one person rather than to a group. although That happens too. But anyway, so that's why on this show, we tend to focus and we talk about communication as being between two people, even though that applies in you know, larger settings like work settings or multi-partner relationships, things like that. Uh, But we do want it to be clear, though, that there are some people who, like, there are some unique challenges for triads uh, or other group relationships, and there are some communication nuances that come up in those. And so that's why on this episode, we did want to talk about that, because there are some people where that is their whole triad experience. I was actually just reading recently uh, from someone who surveyed a lot of different people in triads that actually a not insignificant number of those triads were people who don't even identify as non-monogamous or polyamorous, who just kind of, this just sort of happened and it worked out. And when asked if this ever stopped working, would you seek out another triad? And they're like, no, I'm a monogamous person. This just kind of works. So hmm. that's that's also something that's that's interesting about it, that there is a lot of nuance within this world of...
2: A lot of variation and experience. Of triads. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: exactly. Uh, I just had a quick fun aside about the word thruple. We've talked about it before. We don't need to go into that. Uh, you know, we don't like it. It's an outsider word. Whatever. If you want to use it, though, it's fine. But in looking into it, I did want to look into the origins of the word couple uh, and... The the thing I found out was that couple comes from the Latin root co, which means together, and then aperi, which means to attach together, uh, which combined made the word copula, copula, or copula, as we would pronounce it like today. Copulate. Yes, it's the same oh, same roots as copulate.
1: See, I
2: uh, Emily's much sexier than I am because I heard copula and I went to linguistic terms. That's where I the went copula to copula verb. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Uh (laughs) I went to, like, grammar, yeah, linguistics. Uh, But, yeah, but also copulate is from the same roots, exactly. And then couple ended up coming out of that. So, technically, it just means, like, bonded together or tied together and doesn't in itself specify just two. Although, obviously, in in modern English, that's what it means. But I just thought that was fun that uh, this came out of a discussion I saw online about the word dialogue like, if you had a three person conversation, would it be a trialogue? And the response <laughs> is, cute. yeah. And the response is basically being like, the die in dialogue doesn't mean two. So, no. Mm. <laughs> and this what is another. What does die in
2: dialogue mean?
0: I, I think it means like a, a, a through conversation or something like oh. that. I forget what it was. Uh, I can. <laughs>
1: now, Dudeker's looking it up. <laughs> We're all looking it up.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Through to speak through. Is there to th- die is through and log Le, leg, legain means to speak.
2: Right, so it's okay, so it's not the same die as in dyad.
0: Right, exactly. It's people. dia instead wow. of the die. Yeah. What? So it's a different yeah. Very cool.
1: Yeah. Yep. Well done for looking that up. <laughs> so yeah, even though triads are not necessarily like the main thing that we actually see in polyamorous life we see usually like interconnecting dyads it still is a thing that's out there a thing that we wanted to discuss today and they can be awesome we personally have been in relationships that are triad relationships, but they can look a ton of different ways um, in terms of gender identity, living structure. It can be everything from three men who all live together and they raise kids together to maybe a non-binary couple who live together and they both have the same partner and that partner comes over and they spend the night together or three solo poly individuals that maybe all date each other and then they occasionally all sleep together. But they don't live together, maybe.
0: Right. Yeah. It can really cover a whole range.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And there is this kind of media emphasis on triads, as we said before, and this like similarity to like a couple plus another person. Uh, And so that is kind of a trope that we've seen in media, but then also in people who are new to non monogamy that they're going to like try to seek out finding a partner together. And forcing this triad to happen, even though perhaps one or more of those people don't want to be in a triad. Yeah, it's definitely this weird
2: thing of like I think because triads end up getting a little bit overrepresented, and also a little bit fetishized for sure. Yeah, I think yeah. in media, you know, I mean, especially the you know the classic you know male man female, with female. two women, yeah. yeah, man with two bisexual women is just so fetishized, has been for so long, and it does become. Almost, the way that I think about it is that triads seem like they're they're like the gateway drug into polyamory or non-monogamy. You know, usually for a couple, it's like this idea of like, okay, if we can find our unicorn or find our third, you know, that's kind of the closest, safest feeling thing that is the transition into
1: potentially being non-monogamous. Well, and a lot of people who are new to polyamory will try to date the same person so maybe they're not like classifying themselves as a triad but they're like okay well you get to date her and so do i and maybe we'll get to have sex all together and that'll be really fun but yeah and that that also somehow feels safer for them
0: right it's but like somehow less threatening that way and so exactly I think a lot of people will try so hard to find this thing and ironically make it make their sort of journey into polyamory and non-monogamy much more difficult because they're focusing on such a narrow version of what that can look like as opposed to kind of the whole broad spectrum of how non-monogamy can look.
2: Yeah, I've definitely seen that for some people who end up in a little bit of maybe like a messy metamorph situation or they're having trouble kind of juggling the complex needs of having multiple partners, some people thinking like this would be a lot easier if I could just get my other partners together, you know, just kind of close the loop as it were. And then we can do everything together. Then it's super easy. Then we can do dates together and sex together and cooking together. And then it's like, I get to, um, you know, maximize my time and maximize my efficiency by making everybody be in this relationship together. And sure, while that does work out sometimes, usually it doesn't. Usually this kind of like orchestrating of, of kind of trying to, um, I don't know, force this group of people to be together. I've seen tends to lead to a lot of resentment. The thing that I always think about um, whenever I see triads and quads or even bigger kind of more group style relationships or even polycules, just something to bear in mind. There's always going to be one person who's having less fun than everybody else. Hmm. essentially. Doesn't mean they're not having any fun at all. Not at all. It doesn't mean that it's doomed to failure, things like that. But it's just like, that's just the way things go. There's always someone who's going to be the person who's the least jazzed about this arrangement than everybody else. And that's important to to think about, I think, when it comes to things like triads and quads is that I think that's why it needs extra time, extra checking in, extra communication, you know, Um, because it's like when those kind of things don't get noticed or don't get picked up on, that's what leads to resentment. And I think that's why things like, especially like quads end up being so naturally sometimes unstable.
0: Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I think that this is something that makes me think about analogies too. I always love trying to come up with analogies to help me understand things better. Yes, we know. (laughs) And with this, like, if you think about it, um, and we'll get into this in the bonus when we talk about sociology research about triads, Uh, not these kinds of triads, but a different sort of sociology triad. Uh, But is this idea that there is a natural tendency, say you have two different friends, and you become very close with both of those friends, there is a tendency to want to bring those two friends together, so that you can all hang out together so that you can maximize, you know, your, your time that you get to see them both. Like that's, a pretty natural thing and a fairly common thing. A lot of times that's how we meet other friends is because of mutual friends. Right. So like there is something very, very, I don't know, I guess natural and fundamental and and essential and universal to that sort of behavior. But when it comes to friends, we tend to not force quite as many expectations on that as we do on to like, we need to date the same person. Um, so it's interesting. And, and again, we'll talk about this more in the bonus, but like in sociology terms, what we in polyamory would call a V where two people are dating the same person and maybe they chat every now and then, or they, you know, talk to each other in sociology terms, that is a triad, that there is a connection Mm, there. Really? But in non-monogamy, we think of a triad, meaning that we're all having sex together generally, or that we're all romantic together or something there's kind of like a little the the standard for being a triad is it involves more requirements i guess or it could so that's mm-hmm. also something maybe just to kind of be aware of and uh, realize i guess that there can also be more breadth in what you consider to be a triad and and maybe realize that the problem isn't itself connecting those people but forcing it to be a certain type of connection
2: Yeah, so it's interesting talking about the, you know, kind of forcing something to be something versus kind of ending up there. Because I do feel that in my personal experience, my triad and quad experiences that were positive were ones that did happen a little bit more organically. And I even realized earlier in the episode, Jace, that we've been in a quad where it's like, Jace, first you started dating one half of a particular couple. And then like years later, I started dating the other half of that couple But it was, but I never identified that as a quad, even though technically the shape of it was such.
1: Well, that's my question. Does it have to be a, if it's a quad, does that mean that every single person is engaged in relations together of a sexual nature, potentially, or romantic? Because you two were really just like two people dating each other Wait, I mean, there, there were another, some sexual situations yeah, also but true. not like
2: i don't know i don't make up
1: the rules emily no i know <laughs> well, but i, think, and I, I, I think want you to tell me
0: <laughs> that's kind of our that's kind of our point here though right is that yeah. is that it's not so black and white about what those rules are because i think that when the media talks about this or when people who are not polyamorous themselves think about a triad or a quad to them it's always they all live together like that's kind they of they all live part together the or assumption. they all
1: sleep together yeah both both of
0: those i'd say they all live together they all have sex with each other that 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 kind of is the assumption or the association from outside and for some people it is that but mm-hmm. for others it's not like even if they do live together for example i was just reading a story recently about a triad where they all they live in a three bedroom apartment So, like, they each have their own room, too. So it's not like the image of they all pile into the same bed. They do sometimes, but they don't have to. Like, it's not always that. Uh, And I think that they also date, you know, each date other people outside of that as well, or at least... Do sometimes, Semi-porous right? So, like, that's
1: polyfidelitous, <laughs> right? <laughs> <Kidding. laughs> Something like that, right?
0: Right. So, so anyway, I guess just, just that that it can look a lot of different ways, um, and that the stuff we're talking about in this episode, some of it, I think, will be more relevant to people who do live together because people do that, um, but also uh, relevant to places where they don't, and we're going to kind of touch on those as we go through these different areas of conflict of how they can apply differently if they're sort of more of like a couple with a third who doesn't live with them kind of dynamic versus everyone living together versus everyone separate things like that
1: yeah i guess i'll just say it's sort of in a similar fashion to what we were talking about earlier that when the three of us were engaged in a relationship, like it did feel really organic and like, it just kind of came out of the relationships that we were in. But with the fourth person involved, uh, it was at at one point fine-ish, but then it became not fine. Um, and I think that was an example of, you know, someone not feeling good or feeling less good about the situation as the other three And that's just kind of interesting. And that did feel perhaps a little bit more forced than just the organic relationship between the three of us.
2: Yeah, yeah. So, like, in our history, yeah, it was started out as a quad that then kind of collapsed into a triad um, for a little while. And, yeah, I definitely think about that, that um, I think is definitely an example of how sometimes just group dynamics can create weird power dynamics.
1: Yeah, it definitely it, did. It,
2: within any with any kind of structure, whether that's a triad or a quad or larger things like that, or even just a polycule that's not necessarily all co-connected or co-mingled, that there can definitely be a sense of, oh, but like everyone else in the group wants to do X, Y, and Z, and I don't feel like I have a choice. Or I don't feel empowered to speak up. Or I'm just going to hold on to it and be resentful. Until finally it
1: does blow up and then it it blows up. You know, yeah.
2: yeah. So so that's definitely something to think about, I think, with all of these things. All right, so... For this
0: meat of this episode, which is talking about the six most common areas of conflict in relationships and how those apply in three or more person relationships. But before we get to that, we're going to take a quick break to talk about how you can support this show. Keep this content coming to all y'all for free out there.
1: With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom?
2: to get you not just the 50% discount, but also the 100% free shipping. Code M-U-L-T-I. All right, so for this episode, we're mostly going to be referring to triads specifically, but the same concepts apply to quads or even larger group relationships or even dyads as well. Um, So we're going to go through kind of these six main categories or common areas of conflict. Once we get past... um, For people with some of these conversations, the conversational dynamic can change quite a bit, understandably. Um, There is a reason why... Quite naturally, groups larger than four at social gatherings almost always split off into smaller conversations, um, unless some kind of unless it's some kind of structured discussion format. Um, that's why right now, when you're having your like Zoom birthday parties, it doesn't feel like a real party because because
0: you can't break off. To, yeah. to look at each other, you have to and be in this really weird twelve
2: person conversation at the same time, and you can't break off into tinier groups to have conversations. So that's part of why things feel odd.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's only one of the reasons why thanks me a lot. But yes, that definitely is one of them. All right. So let's get into these six main categories of disagreement. Uh, this is identified by a Pew Research study, which is all about the reasons for disagreement in romantic relationship scale, or RDRRS.
0: It's
1: almost like radars, but it's like the opposite of radars. You're right. It's a little bit like
0: radars. You could. So you have radar. To address your redurs. There you go. There you you got it. Okay.
1: Good. (laughs) So I'm going to quickly point out the six, and then we're going to get into each of them specifically. So the first one is going to be inadequate attention or affection. The second, jealousy and infidelity. The third, chores and responsibilities. Oh boy, we had a whole episode about that one. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Sex is number four. Uh, Control and dominance is number five. And then future plans and money is six. Hmm. So let's go into the first one. All right. So inadequate attention or affection. So something that can happen in any relationship, but definitely polyamorous ones, uh, not showing enough love or affection, having lack of communication, and then one person maybe not paying enough attention to another person. So these can really be enhanced by comparisons made to other people in the relationship I uh, it maybe your partner is dating someone new and you feel like there are comparisons being made between the two of you whether or not those are internal comparisons or external comparisons you could be feeling like your partner is more distant from you or like you're losing both people in the relationship if you are in a triad or that you're the third wheel that's a tough one, especially in a triad relationship. Uh, and if there is a couple and like a couple plus a third dynamic, then you really definitely need to be careful about this one, both about maybe neglecting the new person or about being so excited, having so much NRE for the new person that you're not focusing on the existing relationship.
0: Yeah, that one's interesting because it can it can go either way there. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's worth mentioning that this study that came up with these six categories for disagreements uh, were, you know, these were with married couples, with heterosexual married couples is what this studied. So that's just kind of we're using this as like a jumping off point and looking at how these things can change when you're non-monogamous and specifically when you're in a triad or a quad. So I think it's like this idea of not having adequate attention or affection affects all relationships that that's a fairly universal thing but like within triads there's these little nuances for how that can show up or or extra i guess traps for how that might show up and you might not be aware of it especially with like nre being involved right because it's messing with all your brain chemicals
1: yeah yeah Yeah, so within this kind of category, not being appreciated is another thing that can happen. Mm. And again, this is a big issue if there is this kind of couple, like established couple that adds a third dynamic that's happening here. And it is really important to address things like this before they become a big systemic issue within your relationship. And something like radar that we've talked about ad nauseum on our show, but it's great. Go back to episode 147 to learn all about radar again. Uh, that's a really good way to kind of address this issue before it becomes blown up and out of control.
2: Yeah, I've definitely in my work, I've come across an uh A surprisingly number of clients who, who are a third or even seek out being a third or like want to date a couple and stuff like that. And maybe I'm just kind of biased by the people that end up coming to me, but it's like, I see thirds often do a lot of emotional labor for the couples that they date a lot, a Mm. lot, you know, a lot of being really intentional of like, okay, I'm going to make sure everyone gets a relatively equal feeling amount of attention and communication. I'm going to try to be really intentional and I'm going to try to, you know, Oh, if they're having issues, I'm going to try to give them space and be understanding, or I'm going to help them talk through things. Um, And I mean, not that that's a bad thing, but it is something that if this is something that's like not acknowledged, or it doesn't feel like there's a relatively equal exchange of emotional labor, that that can lead to resentment for sure. And I think definitely falls under this category of feeling like there's not enough affection or not enough appreciation. Yeah. So that leads us into the next category of conflict in this Reuters scale, (laughs) which is jealousy and infidelity. So in traditionally monogamous relationships, this could include things like talking to an ex-partner, feeling possessive, feeling jealous of what happened in past relationships. For non-monogamous relationships, the jealousy is more likely to show up earlier on, often between other members of the triad. You know, I've definitely seen that as a triad's kind of getting settled and trying to figure out how they work, at, you know, in kind of that unknown phase of not being sure how these relationships are all going to play out, you know, because of course, it's like we all know that that it's probably unlikely that it's going to be just like perfectly equal amounts of like attention and affection and attachment between all three legs of the triangle, but it's that kind of early phase of figuring that out, that that can definitely bring up a lot of feelings of jealousy, of who's getting more attention, who's getting more affection, who's, you know, I mean, it goes so hand-in-hand with that first uh, item on the scale about also feeling a lack of affection and things like that. Um, Mm -hmm. For more established triads, jealousy can come up in regards to feeling left out of certain situations, um, but it may less be less likely to come from a place of being worried that you'll be abandoned or not loved. But again, every single situation is different, especially when it comes to jealousy.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think it's, it's also one of those things within polyamory, jealousy carries this extra stigma of like, if I'm feeling jealous, I must be doing something wrong. I'm a bad polyamorous person. Right. Yeah. And we can sometimes not acknowledge that that's coming from something like maybe it is from not feeling appreciated enough. Maybe it's that there's some need or desire of mine. That's not being met. Something like that. Right. And so things like radar, you know, ways to communicate about that before that becomes so bad that it's your experience is awful is, is really important um, to kind of get to the root of like, what's making you feel those things. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, And then within this jealousy and infidelity category, one of the topics of disagreement that they mentioned were about whose friends do we hang around more. And I thought this one was was interesting. really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That it's included in the jealousy and infidelity category. And I guess I could see it from like jealousy of like we get to hang out with all your friends, but you never want to come hang out with my friends. And I could just see that like that. It's like, oh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But I realized that with non-monogamy, this could also come up in terms of how out you are or how extroverted you are. So the example of like outness is say you're in a triad where one person or two people are very much like out at work. They're out to, to everyone they know. And so they can be out and proud and all hold hands together and be social. But you don't feel like you can bring them around your friend group because you're not as out. And you know that they're going to act that way and that's going to potentially compromise your job or your safety or at least just not be something you're comfortable with. So that's kind of an extra layer that can add to making sure that, you know, we're we're able to all be with our friend groups or, you know, be around our coworkers and feel comfortable and safe still being in this relationship. So just kind of an extra thing to consider.
1: So now we're getting into chores and responsibilities. Oh it's a doozy. boy, yeah, this is a uh, one near and dear to our hearts. Uh, so things like housekeeping, chores, who does more work, sharing responsibilities, things like that, and this dynamic can really change uh, with a living situation. If you are all living together, then that's one thing. But if you are like two people living together and one person does not live full time with the others they have their own like home responsibilities that they have to take care of it's probably unfair to have them try to come in and like need to share equal responsibility with everyone else right and like equal like, responsibility in your house while yeah, also exactly having their own house yeah yeah, so communication is a really big thing here uh, with with anyone involved in any sort of chore dynamic, and we did have an episode fairly recently on this, so go back and listen to that for sure. Um, but childcare—that's a big thing. There are these like typical sort of unicorn hunting situations where the third is exploited for free childcare, and that is a shitty situation to get in that's a shitty situation to put someone else in and it doesn't happen all the time but if it is happening if you're seeing that happening within your relationship then maybe maybe think about that maybe sit there and have a long hard think
2: yeah i've definitely seen some some Couples erring on the side of unicorn hunting. I think sometimes out of a place of desperation, of like having another adult would be great, (laughs) you know. Just, just in general, which is true. It is true. But yeah, I think this dynamic definitely really changes depending on what your living situation is going to be, and really important to talk about this stuff. I think even before y'all live together.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. (laughs) What the expectations are, and just establishing good communication from the beginning is really vital to a healthy relationship in general. But it can hopefully help uh, sort of get these big, hard decisions and talks out of the way. And so, OK, another thing that goes sort of in the responsibility category rather than the chore category is things like not su- not showing up when one is supposed to or being on time or being flaky, things like that. This is more related to the responsibility category. And we talked about this as a common example of a reoccurring fight that may happen in our episode 234. Wow, that's amazing how long ago that was, (laughs) Uh, which was Repair Shop, our Repair Shop episode. So go back and check that out. But, you know, not everybody is going to be punctual. There's not just one right way of being on time or, you know, being timely in general maybe isn't necessarily like better than then sort of going with the flow and being spontaneous and enjoying yourself. But, you know, if you do have big differences between yourself and your partner or partners, then that is something to think about, something to talk about with them. Because if it is very, very important to another person that like, hey, you, you follow through with your commitments, you show up on time to things or that we can all like go to something together and that'll know that you're going to be there or be on time, then yeah, that's yet another thing to have to talk about and communicate about.
0: It's I actually think that there's an interesting dynamic that happens that can happen with three-person groups, and I'm thinking specifically of, you know, we have a lot of experience figuring out how to communicate with three people together about That's true. you, you know, communicating very frequently about things that involve our money and our time and our commitments. And even if we're not all in a romantic or sexual relationship that like, we do have a lot of experience in that way. And I actually think that there's certain things like when a triad is functioning well, especially if it's kind of stabilized that there's actually a lot of these problems that I think a triad can help with. And hmm. so something like this with like timeliness where if it's just you and one other person and they're always late and that really irks you, you know, that, that can be a recurring fight like we talked about before in the, in the episode two thirty four. But if there's three people and there's one person who's always late, there can sometimes be this sense of, Hey, we're the two who are on time. So, you know, okay, well, they're going to be late, but like, it's, we're here to kind of support each other in that. So it's less like I'm here alone fuming that I'm, frustrated about that uh so anyway there's just kind of some interesting dynamics that can change those things or if there's the one person who's always like 15 minutes early like to them that's on time that of the other two they might help each other to be like hey hey hey, we got to remember that they're always 15 minutes early so let's go be sure and we you know be sure that we do that too to try to not have them feeling alone
2: yeah, I, I have to say, and again, I want to, I want to zoom this out and take this out of just the realm of timeliness or not, because it applies to so many other things. But I I do think, um, I can't tell the number of times that I've said to Jace, like, thank God, there's three of us on this podcast.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, You know, yeah.
2: thank God, there's three of us, you know, making these decisions. It, it makes it hard. You know, of course, when you add more people to a decision making process, that decision making process tends to then expand accordingly. But I, I I don't know, I do feel there there really is something kind of magical sometimes about um, having me. three people making decisions or figuring these things out or running a business in this way, um, or could be running a household or figuring out parenting or stuff like that. That again, it's like if, if there's no toxic dynamics there, and mm-hmm. we figured out a way that works for us that that it really can help, I think, prevent a lot of um, you know, certain kind of cyclical recurring dynamics that may happen between couples with particular conversations, you know, just having kind of like three different perspectives, even though it can make things a little bit more complex, I think in my experience, at least when it comes to like running a podcast or running this business, I think has really, really helped us immensely. Yeah, I agree.
1: Well done us.
0: (laughs) Well well done. Yeah. And it's actually what's funny is researching this episode, and thinking about the three of us and stuff has kind of made me think more about like, gosh, triad relationship actually sounds amazing. Again, assuming that it's that it's functioning well and that people are comfortable with it and that it has some like flexibility to it, that it's not trying to like rigidly be one thing. But when I think about how over the years of doing this show, how often like one of the three of us will either be super overwhelmed or feeling just like, depressed and down and hard on ourselves or is like letting criticism get to them or whatever. And that the other two are there to help, you know, pick them up and support them or take on some extra burden because they're really overwhelmed in a way that when it's just two people, that can be harder to do because there's just one of you trying to hold up the other. And I've had that experience with just one other person where we kind of take turns like, dragging each other down not intentionally Mm. but you know you can get get kind of caught in that cycle and i find with three it's like you just have a little more leverage to kind of help each other out
1: yeah it is a magical number for sure
0: (laughs) okay category number four six Sex. Let's I'm trying to make it a two syllable word. Sex. <laughs> sex.
2: Add some H's in the middle
0: sex. there. Sex. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. So this includes things like, you know, one person wanting sex more than someone else, or how frequent we have sex, or what types of sexual acts we do, things like that. So, at its best, a triad involves op- awesome. Involve. Awesome. It could involve awesome group sex as well as not always having to be in a group uh, and sort of a variety of sexual acts with your different partners, right? This could be anything from one partner having a much higher sex drive, and they could be then getting their needs met by the combined efforts of the two different partners, (laughs) and each of those partners only have to have sex half as often as the one who wants to have it all the time, right? It could look something like that, or it could be about two of the people exploring a certain kink together that the other might dabble with a little bit, but isn't as into as the other two. But what I'm getting at is not saying like a triad is good if everyone's having lots of sex. I, I don't mean that at all. But what I mean is when there's sort of freedom to get your sexual needs met and that the triad is helping that rather than being something that's like, gosh, I feel like I'm now forced to have sex twice as often because there's two people wanting it from me, (laughs) right? Mm. Or Or now
2: I'm forced to only have group sex. Exactly, Mm. yeah. But
0: I don't get that one-on-one intimacy that I also like, yeah.
2: And I will say, as fun as group sex is, everyone reaches a point of being sick of it <laughs> maybe that's, that's true maybe it's that's like, a you know, controversial opinion that's a controversial opinion i've just i've just seen and also experienced that it's fun threesomes are fun more are fun oranges are fun but if that's the only thing you get access to in a particular relationship at a certain point um it gets just a little exhausting and dehydrating yeah really dehydrating
1: <laughs> love it <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, I mean, but definitely, um, I think because there is this, like, it's like in a triad, there's in, there's inherently that kind of wide range of options that could be boiled down to either just having the opportunity for group sex, everybody together, or having one-on-one sex with multiple people. That means that it is also right for there potentially be conflict around this, right? I mean, like, we think we've all heard of, like, the typical kind of nearsighted unicorn-huntery kind of rule of, well, we're only allowed to all have sex all together, you know, and the main couple can have sex together, but the third is only allowed to be brought in for threesomes, and there's no one-on-one sex, or and maybe even during the group sex, <laughs> you're just in the corner and watch. <laughs> well, some people could be into that. Some yeah. people could be yes. very excited by that. You know, um, but stuff like that—that that this is also an area that's important to feel comfortable talking about and communicating about mm-hmm. in a really proactive way. Now, what's interesting is that according to this, you know, this Pew Research study that kind of put all this information together. Under the sex category, they also categorize conflict around telling private information about your relationship to
1: others, which is really, really interesting. And that's in the sex category. Yeah. I I think I get it. Mm -hmm. I think I understand what they're getting at because, yeah, some people are like, no, that's our private information. We don't talk to our friends about that. We don't talk to potentially other partners outside of the triad about it.
2: Right. Yeah. And then other people
1: just don't care. It's like, yeah, whatever.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, I think that this is a common area of conflict, especially if all three people in a triad don't live together and maybe two of them do live together, you know, like the classic kind of T-shaped relationship and an established couple that lives together and then a third. Uh, When people complain about couple privilege, this is often one of the examples. Um, Mm -hmm. It's assumed that the established couple, they can share everything with each other they can keep each other, but but also um, they can insulate their relationship to be a little bit more secret, you know, and kind of keep the third always on the outside. But any information about the third that comes in gets to be shared between the two of them. Um, Or an established partner might think that they're free to share anything about their life together with whoever when one partner doesn't feel okay with that. Um, You know, I mean, this also gets into, this is also related to conflict around outness and just who feels comfortable talking about the status of the relationship or what kind of sex they have or how often or, or when or things like that. I feel like this also starts to get into the territory of um, I know there's always kind of an ongoing discussion around uh, disclosing sexual health status and always, I think some, some discussion and controversy around what's the happy medium between protecting someone's privacy and protecting someone's privacy about their health, mm-hmm. while at the same time being able to convey enough information so people can make informed decisions to protect their health as well. I think it starts to get into that.
0: Yeah. So it seems like with all of these, it's like something to not just assume you're all on the same page, and not oh, yeah, just assume have have- that it's going to stay the same.
1: Yeah. But right? have very explicit communication about it, and... If that communication changes or if you're like, hey, actually, I'm not comfortable with this, that you speak about that.
0: Right. Yeah. So having something regularly to check in on that, because it might be something where
1: like a radar, like a
0: radar. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Because it might be something you're not comfortable with at one point, and then you become more comfortable, you know, so that's good to address or the opposite. Right. Yeah. Okay, next category. Number five is control and dominance. Whoa. So yeah,
2: what a what an odd. I was not expecting that to be a category, I but, but I get it. Well, it feels like control and dominance, that feels like that's a big umbrella category around all of these things of like, if someone's trying to dominate and impose their will on what they want for any of these categories, that's going to be an issue, right?
0: Yeah, like we often refer yeah. to it as like power imbalances or power dynamics. Mm. I think that's kind of what they're going for with this. So, in their study, this included disagreements over things like who's in control and just dominance in general. And one of the things they put in there is about what to wear, which
1: I was huh. like, whoa. What? Whoa. Like like saying, like, I like you in this or I like you looking a certain way or right, right. Or like, or I don't want like you wearing that Im-
0: type of thing. Or, or you're whoa. embarrassing
2: to me if you go out wearing that. Yeah. yeah. And I was just I like...
0: Yikes! What if this wasn't a category for disagreement, but just a like deal breaker, people? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, of course, that's this is. I do want to be clear when we're talking about control and dominance, we're not talking about that within the context of, uh, y- you know, a sub like a not dom not in sub a consensually sexy of, way. Right. We're not talking about yeah. that sort of thing because these can all be dynamics in that, uh, but but more if these are part of your normal life. And so, with the what to wear thing, I was like, okay, that just seems really extreme. I'm like, what are you talking about? And I think that maybe the closest analog would be about outness and PDA and things like that. That it's not so much about, like, I'm going to control how you are, but more, I might have a certain way of being and going about relationships that you might not be comfortable with. And am I the one who's you know, dominant and kind of imposing that, like, we've got to have all this PDA or that we can't Mm. ever because that's the way I want it. And you're just accepting that even though you're not as comfortable with it. So we'll talk about this uh, a little bit with the sociology triad theory. Uh, But one thing it mentioned uh, that some of the research talks about is this tendency within triads where if one person is more dominant, that the other two will sort of form a coalition to kind of empower themselves to balance that that one who's more in power. And similarly, if there's one party of the three who's kind of weaker, you know, socially or or power-wise or or however, right, that both of the people with more power will seek out coalitions with that person and again, try to balance it. So this is, again, Mm -hmm. one of those places where I feel like the triad could actually be a really helpful thing for this kind of dynamic that you don't get in just a dyad. Right. Where if you have just kind of a naturally more like dominant personality and a more submissive one, that that's a real hard thing to to even out sometimes in a dyad. But in a triad, you might have some more resources because that other person might be able to kind of help support and lift that up to balance it out.
2: Yeah, I feel like that definitely comes up in our little emotional business running triad amongst the three of us of like mm-hmm. when some of us... um myself become a little <laughs> too dominant hmm. and controlling and to attach to particular things uh-huh. that generally it's good to have the two of you that help balance that out. Well, and I, I, I think. think,
1: I mean, Jace is ju- definitely the one who's, who feels overwhelmed, I think quite a lot slash. It's like I'm taking on too much and we're like, okay, let's let's help with that. And then I'm the one who like cries all the time and so you help me with that.
2: <laughs> so, right, you cry. Yeah, we definitely
1: rush in to, to yeah, comfort. And, yes, <laughs> and to like, lift up my cryingness. Right, yeah. <laughs> so well, and now I feel like all it, you listeners know yeah. I'm dynamic. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think it all varies too because there's times mm-hmm. where each of the three of us has been just so overwhelmed or feeling down yeah. or whatever and, and it can switch yeah. around, which it is helps. nice. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It helps. So, let's move on to the last area on this scale which is future plans and money. So, that includes things like goals for your life, either personal goals or relationship goals, plans that you have in the future, talking about children or making a family or things like that. Um on the one hand, we have definitely seen so so many triads that rush into making these future plans mm. way, way, way before they've established any kind of steady rhythm in the relationship, establish whether or not we're actually compatible, whether or not we actually want the same thing. I mean, couples do this too, so no surprises there for Mm -hmm. sure. Um, I think that when it comes to triads, because they're so fetishized and they are in reality fairly rare, and I also feel like people who are seeking a triad have a sense of how rare and how difficult it is to find somebody or multiple people for a triad that there often is this sense of the first person that comes along. Oh my God, we need to take this opportunity. Like the window's going to close. We need to grab this person, escalate with them, start talking about having babies, start talking about moving in, you know, because, (laughs) because this is not going to come along again. You know, Um, this happens all the time. Again, happens in dyadic relationships too. And definitely when you're in our NRE with somebody, or if you're trying to realize a very specific vision for yourself or your polyamorous relationships, of course, it's great to enjoy that NRE, and it's great to enjoy like all the wonderful benefits that a triad can bring. But again, as we always say, don't sign anything in the first year of being an NRE with somebody. Don't sign anything. Don't sign a lease. Don't sign an adoption contract. Don't sign a shared cell phone plan. Don't sign a what else can you sign i don't know don't 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 sign adoption papers on a dog don't and it's not to say that any of those are bad things it's just wait y'all just take your time just don't make any major life decisions if you can help it while it throws of nre you know don't invite your third to move in with you within a month you know just it's okay I promise you it's okay. I promise <laughs> you it's okay. I'm shaking my hands. I cannot promise you hard enough that it's going to be okay to take your time.
1: Yeah. No, just sorry. Those feelings are are have happened definitely, I, probably oh yeah. to all of us. Or maybe, maybe, Dedeker, you're like so pragmatic that you're like. I, this has never happened to me. I've never signed anything in the first uh, year. Oh, no, she's
0: done these. She's done. I
1: mean, Jason. I moved oh, in the, Oh, so bad. It, I've been so bad months at this. of meeting each other. Yeah. So oh, you
2: like just barely squeaked in there. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, just
1: barely. But then we also have cats.
2: I don't think I've ever done this with a triad. Although did we start multi-amory in the first year? Oh, we yeah. Were oh, to... yeah. Uh, yeah. No,
1: yeah. We got okay. real lucky well, on that. We got, we got really
0: lucky. Well, but liking. we didn't
2: know. But yeah, but we weren't like throwing down major money or, or getting into any kind of no, contracts. Was it, was like, little, it was just like, let's record a podcast baby, and have a talk. Like, we were just like little podcast. baby podcasters. Yeah. Okay. So that's okay. <laughs> yeah, that's okay sure. then.
1: All right. We <laughs> <laughs> willed this thing to be what it is today. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but definitely, definitely in my dyadic relationships in the past have been real bad about this. And it's not gone good. It has not gone good. Yeah. No. Uh,
0: And then, okay, the the next thing in this category about future plans and money is the money part, right? So questions like who pays for stuff or someone using all of someone else's money or things like that. (laughs) All of it. (laughs) Yeah. So so for this one, it, it really... And we talked about this in previous episodes about managing money as well. But just there's a lot to factor into this. It's not just make it all equal it also depends on each person's earning potential and their life choices as well as their like desired lifestyle and the cost of that like there's a lot of factors to go into this so it's too much to try to to cover all that again right now but some good resources to look at for this are actually resources for roommates negotiating bills and expenses uh because a lot of the common conversations that might come up also, would come up in that same situation, right, where you're sharing the expenses for the place you live. Um, so, you know, just just keep all that in mind, and then whenever possible, and I recommend this for dyads as well as triads or quads, is whenever possible, keep as much of your finances separate as possible. And I know this is a controversial opinion. Or, a lot of or people, or at least
2: partly separate,
0: at least partly separate. But, like, if you're going to join finances together, like open a bank account together, do it for a reason. Like, have it be intentional. Maybe it's like most of my money goes into my own account and into this shared account is where we specifically put a certain amount of money that we've agreed upon beforehand for our shared expenses. But it's not just like everything goes in there. So then, you know, when I go buy a new, you know, 4K TV... Suddenly, I've spent all of our money on that when it's really something that I'm excited about. You know, it's just so as much as possible, just keep that in mind and don't rush into sharing finances more than you absolutely need to. Um, and, you know, and maybe ideally find someone who is like a financial advisor who's poly friendly. Look up on like the poly professionals or the kink aware professionals list and try to find financial advisors or accountants or like someone to or go help hit you. up
2: go hit up our guest hadassa Damian. yes yep. at her site because she's also polyamory friendly absolutely yeah yeah
1: all righty finally let's get into some extra concerns that we didn't talk about here
2: so kind of the catch-all that didn't end sure. up on the Radars. Yeah. yeah, I guess things that, are, things
0: that are maybe more logistical concerns or more external factors and not just about disagreements within the relationship. So first of these I wanted to bring up is just having a conversation with three people is different than with two. And so when it comes to doing something like a radar with three people, I would actually recommend if you're in a triad that you do your radars as twos but you could also do one as the three like for example that's which, a
1: lot of radaring
0: it does it does feel like a lot of radars but when pe- like a triad is another relationship you're adding like yeah, it's not it is yeah it, it takes extra care it's you know it's one of those real hardcore gigapets that when it dies it's dead <laughs> forever so you really gotta pay
2: attention <gasps> Whoa, James. Gosh, <laughs> talk about metaphors. i yeah. was Not expecting
1: that. Wait, GigaPets hard, are like you know when we were core, kids. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's not a thing anymore. <laughs> it's Not a thing no yeah, Sorry none of your, the, like, kid, the young Twenty-year-olds think that's so silly. Yeah, twenty-year-olds yeah. out there—they're <laughs> not impressed by GigaPets or Tamagotchi's at all. Yeah, yeah. no yeah. idea what that is. Okay, okay.
2: Well, but but I think though, with a, things like a relationship check-in or a radar, at least the way that we've tried to design our formula, you know, the radar is to try to make it flexible enough that you. Could do try something like, okay, we have kind of the big beefy radar, all three of us, where we stay very formal and we go through all of the different categories, especially if you're living together, you know, we talk about all those things. And then maybe we have our little individual check ins with each dyad that are maybe a little bit more informal or a little bit more casual or vice versa. You know, it could Mm -hmm. be we have these more structured check in conversations with each of the dyads and then we have a weekly ritual of friday nights we have dinner and just have a little general check-in you know but but i do think that those conversations are a good opportunity for um you know, again, it's like if someone's just more inclined to not want to bring things up or be more quiet, that actually kind of having three people in the conversation can help with that if the two other people are at least savvy and and aware of those dynamics. You
1: should speak up a little bit more. Yeah, or Or like, hey, what do you think? think? Yeah, Yeah, because it's
2: just the two of us talking and we haven't heard anything from you. Yeah,
0: (laughs) absolutely. And that's, yeah, that's what I wanted to emphasize as well. So I'm glad you brought that up of just like, with three, it can also be easy for one person to just sort of disappear into the background mm-hmm. on certain conversations. So really like be aware of that. Make sure everyone. Like, having
1: especially time. Especially if the and... other two really enjoy dominating the conversation. Yes, and I'm like looking at both of you.
2: <laughs> when, when we're in a business meeting and I'm being too alpha there. and Jason and I are butting heads. And then suddenly I'm just like, Emily, what do you think?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, Whoa. Okay. okay Emily, it's say something. Time for me to be the mediator again. Yeah. <laughs> It's fine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> our last meeting went quite, it was quite chill. It was, good. It was great. Yeah. It was good. We've, yeah. got, we've gotten
2: a lot better yeah. over the years. Yeah. It's, it's so taken much six years, but here
1: we are. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, the next one is traveling together or going on dates with all three. And again, depending on how out you are, this is really going to be a big thing. And I mm-hmm. will, I'm sorry, quick story. Just, I remember when I was out with my partner who I live with when we were still dating other people and we were out with this lovely woman that both of us were dating. And I sat at the bar with that woman while he was getting us drinks. And this guy comes over to us and is like, hey, ladies, and like getting all in (laughs) and stuff. And then as soon as Josh walked over, he was like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. Oh, wow. Wow. Okay. Whoa. Sorry, man. Sorry. And like ran away. And I'm like, really? This is another freaking like showing that you know women relationships are or yeah are not as big of a deal as between men we could rant about that for
2: hours honestly i i could go off on a whole thing about how you know just the presence of a man Mm -hmm. unfortunately does more for like protecting you from weird other men (sighs) than just like yourself it drives me wild um yeah and I'm gonna stuff down that anger for another day. No, it's all good. But yeah, but
1: but when you are going on dates with all three people, yeah, that's it's an interesting kind of consideration to think about whether or not that's even going to happen, whether or not you're going to always just go out together or still have two person dates, stuff like that. Yeah, and and like and traveling together,
0: right? Just the logistics that a lot of places will offer packages for two that they don't offer for three. Yeah. Whether that's for Valentine's Day or, or like travel, like you were saying, Emily, that it's, there's like your interpersonal dynamics. But there's also just the fact that the world is not accommodating for the most part.
1: Mm-hmm. It yeah, is not definitely. at all. And marriage still only allowed between two people?
2: Hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, you know, same logistics that that everybody in a, in a multi-partner relationship has to grapple with uh maybe not everybody but certain people you know of just that that we're still in the world that's kind of based on offering a lot of legal rights and privileges to uh the married singular state sanctioned relationship which yep. is the monogamously married couple um so and who knows how or if that's going to change necessarily i doubt that that's going to change the tune of like letting triads marry necessarily because i think from a legal a logistical standpoint, it would just be too complicated. Well,
1: um, you can create an LLC like we have. But that still doesn't get you anywhere near the rights. Still doesn't get did. you, No, yeah. you're yeah. absolutely correct. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. So that's a tough uh, one. I don't
2: know. I mean, but we can also maybe hope and um, maybe kind of push for just single people in general getting more access to these rights. Maybe yes. we don't base this on needing to be in the state-sanctioned relationship, perhaps. Yeah. But I'll also stuff down that anger for another day. <laughs> Uh, Yeah, same thing connected to all that, you know, child custody often only granted to two people. Again, you know, we're seeing exceptions happen, some certain legal precedents being set in different countries and in different states and things like that. But that's still something to bear in mind that, you know, we definitely have seen some triads who um, raise kids together, either they have a child together, or, you know, the, uh, you know, a third person who kind of comes into the relationship becomes an adoptive parent in some kind of way, at least functionally. Um, But we're still Still having to fight that battle and try to figure out, you know, how do we make uh, parenting work outside of just the dyad?
0: And that's definitely something to go and talk to legal counsel about. You know, like we had Diana Adams on the show a long time ago. Her website has a lot of resources for that as well. Free resources as well. Um, So but definitely something to look into, like, what are your legal options based on where you live and things like that? Because it's it's real complicated. So yeah, can't can't deny that.
1: Absolutely, and finally, just general power dynamics. Yeah,
2: yeah. Derek always that's...
1: the alpha, so you know there's the power God dynamic. Bless <laughs> it. No, no. But it, just in general, yeah. What it, it and I think it's even more complicated potentially if there is an established couple bringing a third in and the power dynamics that are just kind of inherently there.
0: Yeah.
2: Well, I think what I'm seeing more and more of as polyamory and non-monogamy is starting to creep into the mainstream a little bit more. And especially couples who are thinking of opening up and thinking about triads or finding a unicorn or something like that are starting to read more of the material, get more savvy to the fact that unicorn hunter is a derogatory term. There's all these kind of bad behaviors that you want to avoid. And unfortunately, I think that's kind of lulled a lot of people into this false sense of security of, oh, no, 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 we'd be really good to this third person of course we want them to have an equal share in the relationship no we'd be really really nice to them and and really respectful of them and like make sure everything's really consensual and it's like you can be really nice and and really respectful to a person and there can still be a power dynamic absolutely that's (laughs) making it difficult to actually consent fully and and making it difficult for them to uh be a full equal decision maker about what goes on in the relationship, you know? So, so that's all. And I've definitely seen this start to play out among people, you know, among couples who think that they're just like, they are being super respectful and doing everything nice, but still not cognizant of the fact that like, there's a power differential when it comes to money or establishment or outness or work or things like that. So just, just, y'all just check yourself before you wreck yourself. Yeah. (laughs) I guess when it comes to, um, what power dynamics may potentially be in your relationships.
0: Yeah. Okay, so we're going to go on and record a bonus episode where we're going to talk a little bit more about this field of triad research in sociology. Uh, And if you are a patron, we would love for you to join us for that conversation because we're going to do some good nerding out. And uh, we're also we're trying something new. Uh, On the day that this episode comes out, we're doing a poll on our Instagram because we want to know what experience our listeners, all of you, have had with triads. Uh, I'm just really curious about it. So we're going to do a poll on our Instagram story. You can check that out on our Instagram at multiamory underscore podcast. The best place to share your thoughts about this episode and discuss with other listeners is in this episode's discussion thread in our private Facebook group or Discord chat. You can get access to these groups and join our exclusive community by going to patreon.com slash Multiamory. In addition, you can share with us publicly on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. And you can email us at info at MultiAmory is created and produced by Emily Matlack, Dedeker Winston, and me, Jace Lindgren. Our episodes are edited by Mauricio Balvanera. Our social media wizard is Will McMillan. Our production assistants are Rachel Schenowick and Carson Collins. Our theme song is "Forms I Know I Did" by Josh and Anand from the Fractal Cave EP. The full transcript is available on this episode's page on MultiAmory.com.